so I am trying something a little bit new here. I know I just very recently recorded a Bible reading, but today I also wanted to get into this book I have that is 20 Minutes a Day to Live Abundantly. It's a study of the book of Ephesians. And to give you a little background, Ephesians is an epistle written by the Apostle Paul. Epistles are ancient letters between two or more parties. Paul wrote this to believers within the city of Ephesus, just like he wrote to believers in Corinth, Philippi, Colossae. You get the picture. So what makes this one different from most letters is that this comes with a forwarding address. The document belonged to believers in Ephesus, but it also belongs to us if we are faithful in Christ Jesus. So Paul was addressing two groups of people at the same time. We, too, are considered saints, the faithful in Christ. Saint describes someone who is set apart for God's purpose. It's our status positionally in Christ rather than piety in action. It implies godly ones, holy ones, all those who are saved. God also, I mean, he has so many titles for us. We are, we are in adoption as children of God, so we are his daughter. In Greek, adoption carries an even greater meaning than our English word does. I thought this was really cool. It literally means placing as a son or daughter. You see, the Hebrew custom and the Roman law often applied to an adult, not a child. You got into you get into Jesus' family by regeneration. That's the new birth. So adoption becomes the act of God in which he gives us, when we're born again, an adult standing into his family, making us eligible to claim our inheritance and enjoy spiritual wealth. Babies can't access an inheritance, but an adult can. Paul told the Romans, For you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. So Ephesians is like this spiritual blank check that God wrote to us. He says in this book that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Now, the Ephesian believers, they were a little ignorant in regards to their inheritance. They were living as paupers when they actually possessed royal riches. They didn't possess their possession. Get that. Because, you know, I, I think sometimes we forget that we have to possess that possession. It does us no good if it's just sitting God's wealth outlasts the gold that corrodes, the cash that crumbles, all the economic strife in this world right now. Aren't we grateful that we have God's wealth? As heirs of Christ, we have things that money can't buy. Our salvation, forgiveness, the grace and the mercy and the peace, acceptance. It reminds me of the Day of Caring that United Way used to do. I worked for nonprofits for many, many years. I really, I still kind of have a heart for that. But anyway, the Day of Caring was, it was just such an amazing day. And it was always something where people came together to volunteer, to give of themselves. 
There wasn't any expectation. No one was getting paid for anything. We were just doing something beautiful for the community with no expectation of any reward whatsoever. Um, so the story of Barbara Strong Nelson, um, this is how it all began. She went with volunteers to take care of Celebration Park in Washington. And while she was there and they were cleaning up the park, they found a $40 gift certificate to a local restaurant. A few minutes later, she found an uncashed check for a rather large amount of money. She noticed that the check had a name and an address on it. Most checks do. So now she was on a mission. She had to find the individual who the check belonged to. And she did. She found an elderly woman and this woman said her car had been vandalized previously and the gift certificate and the check were an anniversary gift to her and her husband from their son. They had both been stolen. So here, in this day of caring, this woman and her group discovered hidden riches that were so valuable to this elderly woman. And can you imagine the spiritual riches that we can receive when we're digging into the word of God? Our great inheritance, our riches, they don't come from this world, but they come from God. God alone has made us the benefactor of spiritual riches. Jesus gave it all. He paid it all so that we could be saved. God, when he's in his heavenly place and he robes himself in flesh to come and live among us, live as one of us, yet still being God, so that he could give us the opportunity for reconciliation with him. You know, I think sometimes we kind of skip over, we quickly read through the book of Ephesians, because it can be uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable to read that in him, We have obtained an inheritance, predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who trust in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. It's about following him and embracing and possessing the spiritual wealth that he has for us as we walk with him in the spirit. And, you know, there's struggles that come along. I mean, there always are. Jesus faced so much persecution and distress. And if they hated him, surely they will hate us. When Paul is writing in this book, he's talking about the idea of a new nature. When we're born again, the old is passed away. All things become new. And there's so many other scriptures that I could throw in there. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new life, a new person. Who we are completely changes that we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, we have an opportunity 
to do so much more for our families, for our communities, through Christ who loves us. I mean, I know I, there's nothing I want more than to be in the will of God. And the treasures of heaven, I am so much more concerned about what I store up in heaven than what I have here on the earth. I want to share this little story with you because I think it's really, it's so beautiful. And it cover it talks a little bit or shares maybe an example of Ephesians chapter 1. It's a rags-to-riches story of Jack Vorm. In 1949, he was unemployed. He was bankrupt. He strolled along a San Francisco beach and found a bottle with a scroll inside. This message in the bottle was the last will and testament of Daisy Singer Alexander, the heiress to the Singer Sewing Company fortune. The faded paper read, to avoid any confusion, I leave my entire estate to the lucky person who finds this bottle, and to my attorney, Barry Cohen, share and share alike. The courts found that this letter had been written and thrown in the bottle into the Thames River in London. It drifted across the oceans to San Francisco, and it reached penniless Jack Vorm. He inherited over six million dollars in cash and singer stock too just like this message in a bottle god has sent us a message and it's in the bible when we're searching through the scriptures we find the last will and testament of our lord jesus with a different inheritance spiritual treasures eternal rewards laid up for us in heaven but we have to decide how we're going to respond to it. How willing are we going to be? How open are we going to be to the things that the Lord says, If you, then I will. Will we step out in faith and take action? When we don't take God's promises seriously, when we learn the word of God, but we do not do the word of God, there's only spiritual poverty. This inheritance from Singer Sewing Company, it's a beautiful inheritance. It's, it's wealth, unimaginable wealth, but it will pass away. The wealth God offers, it's eternal. It shall not pass away. So we have to decide what we will do. And so much of that, we need to confess to ourselves and to God that this world, it does. It tugs at our heart to sometimes go in directions that are not his will, to follow after the things of the world instead of the things of God. And so as we read, as we study the book of Ephesians, let us use these words to transform our minds and direct our hearts to follow Jesus. Paul was the author of the letter to the Ephesians. I think I mentioned that before. But let's remember that Paul wrote this letter while he was imprisoned in Rome for preaching the gospel. On trial for his life, Paul's only concern was the spiritual well-being of these bodies, these churches he established on his various missions journeys. It was his honor and duty to deliver the very last will and testament of our Savior to the church. 
So we're going to get to know him, too, as we go through this. And as we read, I think it's important for us to ask the question, am I in the will of God? So Ephesians 1, 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. By the will of God. Okay, so the word apostle, in Greek, it means a delegate, one sent with a special message or a special commission. The Jews used the term Gentile to refer to all people who weren't Jewish. So in the New Testament times, it was kind of a derogatory label that was very prejudicial, very much full of disdain. Prejudice, it is blinding. We all know that. The leaders could not see that Jesus was their Messiah, and so they crucified him. They refused to acknowledge Saul's conversion even, and they persecuted him. We have to be so careful what we let into our minds. We cannot let what we think and how we feel about something blind us, because that in turn could destroy something beautiful. And, you know, that goes back to when you're reading about Paul's transformation, how even the apostles initially were very hesitant and were kind of afraid. I mean, God took Saul, this murderous man, and transformed him into this apostle, Paul, who did such great things, who was so faithful in spreading the gospel. That's a beautiful reminder to every one of us to take comfort, because wherever we are, whatever we are in, God can rescue us from our own Damascus Road. He can transform our life for his glory. Now, we saw Paul knew God's will, God opened his eyes. He revealed his will to Paul. He revealed his purpose for Paul's life. God's will also includes our sanctification. Sanctification is the process of God's grace by which the believer is separated from sin and becomes dedicated to God and his righteousness. This is accomplished by time spent in the word of God and by the Holy Spirit. This is holiness and purification from the guilt and power of sin, and it's a continual process. We need to constantly be searching and examining ourselves so that we can recognize those sinful things that are in us and separate ourselves from them. Saul of Tarsus thought he was in God's will. But he was actually in bondage to strict religious observance of the law back in his day. And so God just interrupted his life, took him down so he could only be still. I think about that a lot. Be still. When we're still, perhaps it gives us the opportunity. It gives God the opportunity to speak and we are just still, so all we can do is listen. Be still and know he is God. So God interrupted Paul's life and transported him from religion to relationship. Paul became that new creation 
that Christ tells every one of us we will be. Paul learned to breathe the air of freedom by living and walking in the Spirit in line with God's will. If the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. So there's another story. I'm almost almost done here. Henrietta Mears, an old Bible teacher. I have to look her up so I can learn more because I really like this little blurb I'm about to read you. So Henrietta taught the secret to true freedom. She said, a bird is free in the air. You place a bird in the water and he loses his liberty. A fish is free in the water, but if you leave him on the sand, he perishes. He is out of his realm. So, too, the Christian is free when he does the will of God and is obedient to the word of God. This is as natural a realm for God's child as the water is for the fish or the air for the bird. You see, when we become a Christian, we become Christ-like. Our goal is to imitate our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good. We're called to be thankful. We're called to do good works. Whether it's praying or providing a meal for someone in need, visiting someone who's shut in, babysitting for someone's children, or just making a phone call and being a friend. Robert Ashcroft says that all of heaven is waiting to help those who will discover the will of God and do it. I think it's a good time for us to seek the will of God for our lives, for our communities, that we can, especially now in this time when things are, so many people are so angry, so hurt, so frustrated, perhaps now is that good time to show the love of God by doing some good works. So I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1 to you, and then I'm going to close this. Ephesians chapter 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed 
in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Isn't that just beautiful? Let's live this out. Let's seek to be prayerful and faithful, to be sensitive and to be focused on all of the goodness that God has for us. I hope that you've enjoyed this. I, I hope that this is blessing you in some capacity, leading you into a deeper walk with God.